In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I beg your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Today we celebrate the feast of St. James, that great apostle that was chosen by our Lord and who was known along with his brother John, a son of thunder. And you could intuit why, because he was so magnanimous, so he has such a big heart, and he loved our Lord a lot, just like John, his brother, the beloved disciple, actually. Sometimes I wonder, however, if this title, the son of thunder, refers, if the thunder part refers to the mother, because he certainly is very similar to his mother who had an amazing enthusiasm for the things of our Lord, as is evidenced in this gospel that I'm about to read. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to him with her sons, and worshiping, she made a request of him, meaning Jesus. He said to her, What do you want? She said to him, Command that these two, my two sons, sit one at your right hand and one at your left hand in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, Do you know what you are asking for? Can you drink the cup of which I am about to drink? They said to him, We can. This is an amazing scene because, I don't know, I have my theory as to why James and John got their mother, perhaps, to ask Jesus to have them sit one at his right and one at his left. My theory is that they had seen that Peter, when he, when he told Jesus to, to not worry about the cross, you know, that he got reprimanded. Get behind me, Satan. And here, maybe they they were too afraid to go up to Jesus and ask for this because they too may have gotten reprimanded because they just wanted to be, you know, kind of parting with Jesus up in heaven, having a great feast and a great party, one at his right, one at his left. And, you know, bringing down thunder, judging everybody, you know, just like they said on another occasion, you know, should we call down fire from heaven to get rid of these people because they didn't accept us and Jesus says, hey, calm down, calm down. I know you're enthusiastic, but just calm down, right? And so, I don't know, I like to think that they got their mother to do that because maybe Jesus would not be so, so straightforward with her. But whatever the reason, what comes out is that the entire family, mother and the two sons, are just 
enthusiastic, magnanimous people. And they will die for Christ, you know, and they will go to the end. The, the St. James will die a martyr's death at the sword of Herod. The mother will actually be at the foot of the cross with Our Lady. And John also at the foot of the cross with accompanying Mary and the other women. Because they were there, because John was there, he did not see a, a violent death because he had seen enough violence perhaps at the cross. And we don't know what happened to the mother, but she certainly was willing to go to death if she was willing to go to Calvary with Jesus and the other women. This is a clear sign of love, this great enthusiasm that St. James had for the things that concerned our Lord and his call. When he was called, he was mending the nets, he was working with his brother John, and Jesus passed by. And we know what happened. Jesus calls them, Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That was his line. And they left their nets and followed him. And they, it says in the gospel, they immediately left everything and their father and followed Jesus. This immediateness of, of the response of James and John is extraordinary. They left everything. They left their nets and their father and went and followed Jesus. Perhaps at the very moment, this was not a surprise because, I mean, think about it. You working in a, under the hot sun, mending nets, which is probably not as fun as actually fishing, um, there you're there with your father in the family business. You don't want to be there. And then all of a sudden you see a, an itinerant preacher walk by and we can only imagine James and John said, Hey dad, see you later. Where are you going? Come back and work here. You know, you got, you got work to do. No, no, no. We're going after this guy who's, you know, calling us. Look, and he sounds a lot more fun than you. So see you later. And you could imagine their poor Zebedee. He was probably the only one who was not as enthusiastic as the, everybody else, but I'm sure he's a saint because he had to put up with a couple of, you know, um, uncontrollable children and and definitely a very enthusiastic wife. And so, you know, that day, yeah, you probably can argue that it was not so hard to leave everything and the father and the work that they were doing and follow Jesus. But when they found out, we can only imagine when they found out what it really meant to follow Jesus, to give their lives for Jesus totally and give up everything. They may have come back to their father and and said, "Hey dad, you know, I'm sorry for the other day that we left you there alone working, but you know, we have made a choice here, a life choice. We're going to follow Jesus. And 
And he said, all right, I forgive you for leaving me, but wait a minute. I mean, you've got a future here. Look, look, look at how much money you can make. Look at, you know, look at the family business. Who's going to take care of it? I mean, and they said, you know, Dad, yeah, but we found this man, Jesus, who is God. Oh, my gosh. I mean, but you're, you're going to suffer. You're not going to have stability. You're not going to have a future. You're, you know, it's uncertain. Well, we believe dad we believe and you know mom was probably listening in the background because she also wanted to follow jesus and they followed they left everything that's when they really left everything it was not just the the moment of enthusiasm that that actually uh, made them leave everything they reflected they reflected so this magnanimity that they had you know james and john but today we're celebrating saint james was not just an, an enthusiastic, irreflective kind of impulse of the moment. It was actually a an act of love, of great love, and it denoted a big heart within within that chest of theirs. This is this is truly what we can say that Saint Josemaria. Um, called, you know, God and daring, that you, you're you daring because you love God. And it's not just daring, it's God and daring. And and we could think that here in this passage of of the mother asking, you know, to, for both of them to sit on either side of Jesus, when they say, yes, we can, that that yes, we can, that possumus, as Saint Josemaria would refer to it in Latin, the we can, had to be purified. You know that we can is is not just we, meaning we, James and John. We can do it because we can do it. Where there's a will, there's a way, and we are all in. You know, our enthusiasm will get us through it. No, that enthusiasm had to be purified, and that enthusiasm which at first may have, you know, been the, you know, kept them up a little bit through the difficulties that they faced, later on had to be transformed into true magnanimity, into true fortitude, into true perseverance. And we could see that this was not easy for them because James and John, along with Peter, you know, they wanted to stay at, at the transfiguration. They were invited to see that, that beautiful and amazing moment of the transfiguration, and they wanted to be there and, and, and you know, put up three tents for them and, 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 and for Elijah and Jesus and, and Moses, but they didn't want to go to Gethsemane. They fell asleep. All three of them fell asleep in Gethsemane. And, and that's when their faith was being tested, when that enthusiasm was being purified and when that daring was being questioned as to whether it was going to be pure willpower, you know, or whether it's going to be God and daring. God and daring. You know, think think in your life and mine. Sometimes we we have a can-do attitude and we think we, we, we just, if we, you know, put in an, enough grunt work that we're going to, that we're going to persevere in our prayer life. We're, we're going to, we're going to be holy because we said we were. That's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. Our enthusiasm 
has to be purified because the emotions actually will go away at some point. The, the star of our vocation, which we have said yes to, will be cloudy at times. And that's when we need to turn to prayer in order to be able to persevere to the end. And so today, we, we want to go to St. James and ask him really to help us purify our intentions in why we follow Jesus and to purify and to give credit where credit is due. That it's, if we are persevering in prayer and in, in, you know, in, in the supernatural life, that it is not something that we do primarily, but that is the Holy Spirit acting through us. And blessed be God, because it's his work more than ours, although we do cooperate in it a little bit. St. James, the son of thunder. Besides magnanimity, which St. James had, he also had to learn humility. Humility, which comes across in, in, in this second part of, the, of, of this passage, when our Lord says to them, Of my cup you shall indeed drink. But as for sitting at my right hand and at my left, that is not mine to give you, but it belongs to those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. You know, when the ten, um, the other ten apostles heard about this, they were kind of incensed. He's like, what nerve for these guys to ask one to sit at your right and one at your left. You know, we're better than, than they are. You know, who do they think they are? You know, kind of thing. And, um, and they had to learn humility. They had to learn humility. They had to learn to disappear, to play D, so to speak. You know, um, playing D is no fun. Playing defense is, is always boring because, you, you, you know, everybody's scoring. They got the glory. And, and you're just sitting there, you know, in the back. And uh, if you make a mistake, uh, it's all your fault. You know, they scored on you. And whereas the people up, up by the goal, if they make a mistake, well, they, they just didn't score. But anyway, you know, um, so you get all the blame and none of the credit and then you don't have the fun. Well, some, some people have to play defense, which means some people have to stay back and let others shine. And I think that's what the apostles had to learn the hard way when the others were indignant. And Jesus, you know, when, when he caught the apostles thinking of themselves, and who was the greatest and all this stuff. He was the first one to bring a child, to bring a child right in front of them and say, listen, if you don't become like a little child, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. Do you understand this lesson? You have to become small. You have to be really humble. You just can't go, you know, thinking that you are the greatest just because of who you are, what your talents are, what your intellect how bright you, you are and, and, and what you can do, how much money you have, how much power you have. It doesn't matter. You know, this is the true eye of a needle. Can you humble yourself? Can you go through that, that humiliation? And he says to them, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great men exercise authority over them. Not so is it among you. On the contrary, Whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. 
even as the Son of Man has not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the, the lesson that our Lord wants to teach us, to, to run away from our own vain glory, to be, to be humble. And, and, and we can examine ourselves where we put ourselves first. You know, on another occasion, he says, do not let know what the right hand or do not let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. What does that mean? It means that when the right hand gives money to the poor, that the left hand should not know about it, meaning that we shouldn't be too reflective on our on the good things we do because it's the equivalent of looking in the mirror, you know, with our memory or with our imagination. Um, you know, hey, look 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 at that, <laughs> you know. Um how wonderful you are and look at look at uh look at how wonderful uh, how generous i am and we're just thinking too much about ourselves and we have to give that up because at best as saint jose maria says those thoughts are a waste of time at best at best in the best of all cases in the worst of all cases they are sinful disgusting vain glory i mean let's give it up let's really be hard on ourselves don't be afraid to hit vanity really hard. No more looking in the mirror, whether physically or in your memory. Don't think. It's a waste of time. True waste of time. I remember one time, Blessed Alvaro, he was with a family, and um, and one of the um, family members showed uh, Blessed Alvaro a picture of himself with other people in their family. And, and um, one of the family members said to Blessed Alvaro, uh, Father, you really look good in that picture. And Blessed Alvaro kind of ignored him, and he insisted again, you, look, you really look good in that picture. And then he just turned to him and said, My son, you just want me to notice my, for me to notice me, you know, to notice how good I am or how, how good-looking I am or whatever. I'm not, it, that's a waste of time, he said. It's a total waste of time. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I think that piece of advice it was was like a gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of counsel, you know, that Blessed Alvaro actually had um, quite a lot. He just said things the way they were. And when he had to explain things like that, he would just blur them out in a very nice way, but speaking the truth. I'm not going to notice myself because that would be a waste of time. You know, um, let's think about others first think about others not whether i am going to be at the right or the left or anywhere but i want to serve i want to serve and be the last one saint james enthusiasm brought him to the ends of the earth you know as spain was actually thought to be it was the end of the earth because it was as far west as you can go and there he evangelized there he evangelized the Spaniards and the people, the native peoples there that were living in the Iberian Peninsula. And um, at some point, actually, he was discouraged. You know, he was discouraged. He was sad. He was uh, thinking that it was too difficult to evangelize. And um, he decided to turn around, and he went back to Jerusalem. He was on his way back to Jerusalem 
Our Lady decided to appear to him and encourage him. And she appeared to him while she was still alive, actually. The, the people from Saragossa, where, where Our Lady of the Pillar is venerated, which is where she appeared on top of a Roman pillar, say that she was still alive, that this was not an apparition like, like any other apparition thereafter because, you know, it was not after the Assumption, it was before. And she appeared to him by a special grace of God to encourage him to go back and not be discouraged by the Spaniards. I mean, you know, I don't know if you if you know Spaniards, but you know, I don't know if you can if you can uh, blame Saint James for being discouraged. Not that was a joke. I I love Spaniards, and uh, where would I be? I mean, I'm I'm Mexican. I wouldn't be Catholic if it wasn't for the Spaniards and and many other people. I mean, there have been very generous people. If it wasn't for Saint James, where would Saint Teresa be? Where would where would Saint Jose Maria be? Saint John of the Cross. Um, John of Avila, um, many other saints, you know, that Blessed Alvaro, and, and so many other people that have been canonized uh, from there, you know. It was a worthwhile sacrifice. But why did he get discouraged? Why did St. James get discouraged? And we have to, it was, not, it was not because of the Spaniards, but yes, I mean, it was, it, there were difficult circumstances, but we can think that he was thinking a little too much about results, and actually, that's something that Pope Francis warns us about, you know. And he, he says, why are people who are dedicated to God sometimes so enthralled in, in themselves and are sad? And he says, the problem is not always an excess of activity, but rather activity undertaken badly, without adequate motivation, without a spirituality which would permeate it and make it pleasurable. He says, as a result, work becomes more tiring than necessary, even leading at times to illness. Far from content and happy tiredness, this is a tense, burdensome, dissatisfying, and in the end, unbearable fatigue. And this is an unbearable fatigue for the people who are trying to do a good thing. And he calls this kind of a sadness, an acedia, pastoral acedia. And the causes of this is that we are too focused on results, he says. We, we think that we are going to do it. Yes, that we, we can, and it's we meaning me, and that's it, you know. <laughs> and that leads to sadness. And, um, and he says, some people fall into acedia because, or sadness, spiritual sadness, because they are unable to wait. They want to dominate the rhythm of life. Today's obsession with immediate results makes it hard for pastoral workers or anybody, anybody who's baptized, who wants to be apostolic, to tolerate anything that smacks of disagreement, possible failure, criticism, and the cross. You know, where, where can you and I actually improve here? Where do we become sad because we don't see the results and we don't see immediate results? You know, have we learned the lesson that anything that we sow, any seed that we plant that is lined with holiness will always, and we have to be very convinced of this, will always yield fruit. St. Josemaria repeated that many times, and that's why he would actually be very confident in taking a very big risk in sending people to different parts of the world who didn't know anything, 
about about much. I mean, they were very young people, college students or you know recent graduates, to well to the United States, to Mexico, to France, to England, to Germany. They didn't know what they were doing. They were y- young people, you know, a priest and a layman and, and a woman or a couple of women, and that was it. And because he was so confident that the seed that they were planting in people's hearts was lined with holiness because the message was divine, is divine, that they would yield fruit. And look at how much good St. Maria has done in all these places where people have gone throughout the world, Asia, Africa, you know, Australia, South America, Canada. So many people, you, you somehow have come in touch with, with this, with this spirit, with this spirituality of St. Maria, you are being influenced by that generosity of all these people and his daring, his apostolic daring. Well, this is, this is, you know, uh, a person who knows how to wait for the results and who knows and is confident that he is not doing the job, it's the Holy Spirit. That's what we learned from St. James today, the son of thunder. And that's what we want to be. We want to be magnanimous, and at the same time, humble, daring, without falling into sadness because we want to see results immediately. That's the lesson. That those are the lessons uh, that we can that we can um, give thanks to God for learning today from from Saint James. Joy. We need joy in serving, and that's what uh, we ask of Him today. We turn to Mary, who was. Um, there to encourage St. James in his, in his sadness and, um, and, and for, to have him you know, turn around and invest that worthwhile sacrifice in, in expending himself for the people. And because of that, many of us have found the faith. Well, let us turn to her when we are um, in our blind enthusiasm or in our desolate kind of depressed state of sadness because we see no results, may she, the mother of the apostles, help us to continue to sow the great seed of Jesus Christ lined with holiness, ready to bear fruit with the help of the Holy Spirit. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.